0: Welcome to the Fly High Motivation podcast. Uh first of all, I'm very excited uh today to have our guest here. Uh we today we have uh Philip Johnson with us. Uh man, it is an honor. Philip, welcome to the Walk the Talk podcast. How you doing today?
1: I'm doing good,
0: man. Look at us I'm telling you, man, it's an, it's an awesome honor. Uh first of all, uh you are I think my fifth guest on this on this podcast. So that's awesome. Today I just want to introduce our, our our audience to what uh Walk the Talk is. Uh Walk the Talk is a podcast, it's an educational podcast uh which focuses on uh having teachers, professionals, administrators, students, parents come talk about issues in the education field. We talk about ways that we can better educate about things that we can do to improve education. Uh, And today, our main focus is uh, talking about wellness uh, of a profession in the education field. Uh, So, Philip, before I go any further, I want you to introduce yourself to the audience. Who are you? What do you do? Where are you in your career aspiration? Uh, What are you looking for in life as far as just your profession in general?
1: Yeah, so uh, hi, everyone. I'm Philip Johnston. Um, I am an educator at the Next Step program, which is in Lewiston. Um, mm-hmm. It is a collaboration between Tree Street Youth and Wilson High School. Um, I've actually been here kind of since our founding. There was a research year that informed the design of our school, um, which is really guided by students and families um, mm-hmm. and member people in the school system to try and do high school differently. Um, awesome. And I was one of the sort of the first teachers hired, um, and so kind of what I do every day is is trying to. Try out new and innovative things in education um, in a co created student led environment. Um, So, I'm really passionate about empowering students to do uh, work that is meaningful in the community. Um, And I'm also passionate about Uh pushing on systems to make this way of doing school more the traditional way rather than we always have to do it in these little pockets and programs. Um, And then just Otherwise, like I'm originally from Gardner, Maine. Um I went to college in Boston, taught there for a while, and then I came back here 3 years ago.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much Philip for uh, that background and overview of who you are so the guests and uh the audience can understand a little bit more. Uh first of all, man, it's an honor to to be able to do this podcast once again, man. Uh just as the years going on, we both in, uh, in our grad school terms and I figured, man, I just don't want to write, you know, typical 500 uh, letter uh, responses. I don't want to do a podcast. I want to change it up a little bit. And then when I contacted our professor, he was like, go ahead, man. That's awesome. So that, that idea, that idea was it right there for me. So when he gave me that, okay, I was like, I know exactly the person I got to interview on this. Right, um, that. of course, man. So in looking, in looking at, a at this at this response, I put in the response in our group discussion. I did a few things, but I wanted to hear from another pers- uh, person's perspective. So, as you know, these questions I'll be asked out of assignment three, the one that's due. So, the first question that was obviously on there says, "Describe your plan for balancing professional and personal responsibilities at work." Uh, I want to hear your perspective first of all. Just, what do you plan to do when you when you obtain that position that you've been aspiring to obtain? <clears> Uh, in the future? What are you planning to do as far as balancing those things right there?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, I tried to pull together some pieces last night actually for my own post. Um, Mm -hmm. So kind of what I came back to and this came up when we were writing about our leadership philosophy and our Um, Mm -hmm. but I feel like people work best when they feel like their work has dignity and they have an Mm. opportunity to do it in community with others. I like Um, that. And I feel like the teaching profession, um, and just schools in general, they're given a lot of sort of lip service to that dignity. But they're not Mm. always given the actual uh, environments that really nurture and support that. Um, So for me, high level, it's about how do we make uh, the school environment feel like a place where teachers are being nurtured in their growth, that their their insights, because they're in the classroom, they're working with students are held Uh in a really high regard in a way that Uh um, if things are going poorly and we're hearing that from teachers, then the administrators step up and say like, we need a bonus, we need an extra staff day. We need to ask for, you know, Extra planning time for this grade level team or or whatever it may be? Or, you know, does it even look like administrators coming into classrooms and taking over a class for a bit so that a teacher can step away and work on something he or she is passionate on? So I think it starts with that, making teachers not feel like school. We talk about actually this a next step about uh-huh. school being done to students. A uh-huh. lot of school is done to teachers too. I mean, how many times have you heard people say, If it was all about teaching the kids, I would do. Yeah, but not only about that.
0: Yeah, it's it's more it's more than that. I see. I think I think you do make a good point. You know, uh, teachers need to feel as if the climate they're going into, you know, is acceptable and is a very welcoming environment. Uh, You know, I always talk about toxic environments in the education field. And whatever profession it is, really, if you go into an environment that is extremely toxic, your your wellness won't be there. You need to be a, around an environment that is extremely balanced, you know. Like like what you said about the philosophy that you put together, you know. How do we make it so that teachers don't feel like it's a must, but it's a want to? You know, that, that that's a huge, huge thing. You know, balancing those responsibilities from work to home, it, it could be a bit stressful, man. Imagine going to work and having to hit specific curriculums every single day, having to you know, hit specific targets, you forget the passion behind teaching it. And it can really burn you out at times, you know? Yeah. So that's why, that's why I wanted to see like, okay, now I get where you're coming from. And like, uh, what is some, uh, uh, next question I really had was uh, what are some uh, specific strategies, activities that you are currently use right now at work or you plan to use in the future that is going to help increase work balance, work home balance?
1: Yeah, and I will admit that um, this is – it's always an area of struggle for me personally because I just – I can't always leave work at work. Like, it just feels (laughs) – I think it's sort of – I have the the syndrome where, like, if I recognize a problem, I can't just sort of let it sit. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll just, like, spin on how it's a problem. And if you really dive into the kids' lives in Lewiston, like, there's so many things to work on. Uh, i can 't I struggle to have that tunnel vision sometimes, and maybe this is a good thing, but I struggle to have that tunnel vision sometimes of just like what are the academic needs, how do I support them through the school day um, so i 'll just say that up front like this is an area that i 'm I think i 'm currently working on
0: mm-hmm.
1: a big one that maybe is minor, but uh I think we go up and down with how well we do it here. Is um, is just sort of having a cut off for when we send each other messages. Ooh, I like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, like and, and speaking is a frequent violator. <laughs> uh, I think it's also really good for me to have that boundary and say, yeah. okay, after this time of night, even if something pops in my head, like write it down on a note rather than send because mm-hmm. I think that's how technology has morphed. Where now it's like if I have a thought. I should immediately send it to the person that it applies to, but then that results in you never stopping working. So, that's that's one activity um, or like approach that that we've tried to do.
0: I see, I like that. So putting on a cutoff. I I remember when our when our new principal at our Arbor Middle School came over, and he always talked about how hard he works and even beyond hours, and he would be getting messages, you know, two, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. I was like, man, that's crazy. Like how do you how do you balance that? But if you put a if you put a cut of hour, I think it's important. Like all right, this is it, you know, because when you're home, you need to be home. When you're at work, you need to be at work. And that's one of those things that it's a small thing, but it actually impacts us in in a very hard way. And we got to figure out how to balance that. You know, for me, when I saw this question to say, what strategy and activities do do I plan to use or do I currently use? I'm a big believer in mindfulness. If you saw my discussion uh, entry, I talked about mindfulness and and meditation and finding that balance and and really thinking and processing before we act. You know, the school profession pushes us to constantly be on the go. You know, it's this, you solve one problem, then you have the next problem that you got to solve. And at times we forget to be mindful of the small successes that we have. We forget to be mindful of the small achievements that we have. I'm pretty sure in in the program that you win, you get a lot of moments which you could be mindful for, you know yeah. a lot of moments which you can process and think about that way. you know for me as a profession, I hope to carry that same mindfulness approach with my staff in the future and right now i i still I still try to have those moments when a staff walks into my office talking about specific things I'll say, "Okay, let's slow down for a second. What are you mindful yeah. for? You know yes, it throws them off topic, but the same time it makes them realize that there's so much to be grateful for before we start complaining and talking about things that we cannot control so it's
1: It's a quick point on that yeah 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 last week when we were talking about our personal board of directors Mm -hmm. um i didn't name this person by name but uh one of my co-workers i feel like is very good at seeing the emotions that underlie um decisions or conversations that where maybe emotions aren't the focal point, but Uh he's really good at pinpointing that. And I think, um, that's a huge piece of mindfulness that I wish was in more school discussions because Uh again, how many times can you think about a meeting where you're talking about students and people start to speculate on what's going on (laughs) and it starts to, it starts on assumptions where it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I think it's really important to have people who say like, "Where do we think that's coming from? Why wow. do we feel the need to to justify something or to say why why it's happening or why we're speculating?" Um, so I think those are really good practices that can just start to slowly become the culture of the a, of a staff.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I like that being able to process and slow things down. And I think the key word that you said there is culture. I think it's hard you know as leaders and as as aspiring leaders as we are me and you uh to set a specific culture is not easy because i i believe they say it takes about 3 years for new principles or system principles to change a culture like that's a long time you know it takes a long time to actually implement what you think is going to work and what you don't think and take away what you don't think is working because culture i believe it also allows you to control the balance of work and the stress levels around your staff members you know like next question that I have for you is let's say you have a a, a worker that's working for you as, as staff, as teacher that's working for you and uh, they're extremely stressed and don't know how to balance work and life in general. What are some specific things that you would advise that a specific teacher to do in order for them to feel balanced? Uh, between work and, and life in general.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I would want to you know, talk to that person and try and... I always believe in trying to get the insight first. Okay. Um, because I don't want to act too quickly mm-hmm. with no advice. Um, so asking good questions that get at what's the, what's the root cause of their stress. I see. Because um, it could be something that's actually outside of school. And then my advice would be more maybe connecting to things in my personal life things that i've been through Uh saying, you know there what other resources can you access you know for yourself that would help i see deal with that if it's school related you know i was kind of talking about this in my post but i think one thing we don't always do in schools which i wish we did more of Uh is we said what absolutely matters like what's our most important thing that we care about impacting when it comes to students and then as a uh-huh. secondary question, what are all of the things that we're just like required to do? So I think of those as constraints, things that we cannot change. And so uh-huh. I would want to talk to that teacher about, you know, as I hear his or her problem, um, that's sort of creating this mountain of stress or anxiety or whatever it may be. I would want to say, uh-huh. okay, the thing you care about most, like the stress is being guided by your not being able to get to that thing because you're worried about all these other things. And then of those I other see. things, which ones are mandated and which ones like, I can just either take off your plate or I can say ignore that. Um, I was doing some internship hours yesterday and I went to a training about teacher evaluation and all of the things administrators do to kind of evaluate teachers. Uh-huh. And our director of educator effectiveness said you know, teachers often overthink these things and get really overwhelmed by all of the pieces of the form. Yeah. And I thought to myself, any good administrator would tell their teachers that upfront, they're like, this is what I wanna see on the form. Mm-hmm. I know the form looks crazy, but it's just a form. Like we have to fill it out, but how you fill it out, I care less about or or whatever that is. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. Point, right where I think you can say Here's what has to happen, but here's all the areas where you can have more creative license to change. And then if we have a, a conversation, the two of us to talk about what that change could be, and I can be more of a, a collaborative thought partner and not just like I'm telling you what to do, then I okay. hope would be, we can help that teacher get unstuck.
0: I like that. I, I, I like a keyword that you said, a collaborative uh, partner. That's that's a big word, especially in a leadership role. Uh, When people look up to you, when people actually sometimes even fear you, Uh, to have a collaborative partner who who you can consult with, you know, staff can feel approach like they they can approach you. Uh, You are approachable. I think that makes a big big difference in helping your staff members balance work and life. Uh, You know what you said is going back to the root. I was listening you talk the root. I think sometimes we forget that because we're moving so fast that if we don't address the root of the issue then we really miss the purpose of actually trying to find a solution to our problems you know yeah. that's the most important thing if you can come down to the root, and I think that those are great leadership skills to be able to sit with your staff member process find the route collaborate with them consult with them and help them find a solution I think those are specific steps that you can use to really improve the wellness of your staff and yourself I think because if you as a leader know that your staff are doing good I yeah. think it makes your job easier But you could be doing good, but if your staff members are struggling, it makes it hard for you to actually lead them.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, the other thing that's seemingly difficult, but, uh, and I don't totally know where it comes from yet. I've been thinking about this in late, of just, why are so many teacher-student relationships or leader-teacher relationships or whatever, Uh feel like there's such a big power imbalance? And that, I feel like that leads to leaders, whoever is in the power holder seat. Mm-hmm. Talk, man, not talking to like i just think yeah if, if you approach every situation of like i'm seeing a whole fully functioning human in front of me
0: mm-hmm.
1: and how and just having empathy for the human experience it sounds really basic yeah like mm-hmm. the way some people end up talking to each other i'm just like you wouldn't talk to like a friend like that, a family member, like you wouldn't talk down. Uh-huh. So any way you can make, you can stop yourself and say like, I'm not trying to talk, I'm, I'm not here to talk down to you. Like, let me connect. Let's figure out together. Um, Cause administrators are, they're people too, right? Like they, they get paid better. <laughs> so I think that's a reality. They have to the, just, they, yeah. have the, they have the role of providing feedback that can relate to teachers staying on or not, but they're just uh-huh. people. And it's like, People got again it's so simple, but like people gotta get better at just talking to people.
0: Exactly. People gotta get better at talking to people. <laughs> wow, what a great <laughs> what a great there's point, a man. Time, That's you know, yeah. <laughs> that 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 does make a lot of sense. I think it's it's easier to say than done. You right. know, uh so I think there's a there's a specific stigma that comes with the relationships of different dynamics that really increases it, in, you know uh the what do you what do you want to call it uh the power struggle I think yeah. that's what it comes down to and if you don't have that ability to align yourself with your workers and it makes it harder for them to really be approached yeah. you know because in my in my eleven years of working i've had numerous different type of administrators i've worked under i've worked under some great administrators i've worked under some unbelievable, terrible administrators. But I've learned from every one of them and I've taken a specific style from each one of them what I think works and what I think doesn't work and uh, at the end of the day how they treat you does determine the work balance and you know your mental health and everything like that. It, It truly does impact you and it really makes you either maintain your passion for what you do or it could either destroy that passion, yeah so that's extremely important too when when we're thinking about becoming leaders. What do we do in our position to really help make a big difference? yeah you know so uh the next question that I had for you is uh what are some of your personal health uh and wellness goals for you personal
1: um for me personally, I think a big one is. Finding ways to work less on the weekends. <laughs> <So> <laughs> my my fingers crossed that when this grad degree program is done, yeah, I can put in the time that I would spend on the weekend doing all the lesson planning that I'm not doing like during the week because I'm doing grad school work. I can use yeah. that to be like do work at work and you know be at home when I'm at home. So I, I would love to. I would love to figure that out. I think you know, there's inevitabilities of the job, uh, whether it's teaching or being an administrator, that that are more mm-hmm. than forty hours a week. Um, mm-hmm. But I've learned a lot about how to work more efficiently given all the things I'm juggling. But mm-hmm. as I'm allowed, as I can take some things off that plate, I do mm-hmm. just practice. You know, it's the same thing as like that texting, or emailing threshold of let's like, say like six o'clock at night. Uh, <laughs>
0: Just saying, you know. Yeah, yeah. These,
1: you know, it's like these ten hours on a Saturday, like I just do, yeah,
0: I don't go there. No, no, I definitely, I definitely hear you on that, man. I think it's extremely important. You do make a good point. It's hard, man. Sometimes you just wanna when you such when you're so goal oriented, sometimes your wellness takes a back backseat because your mind tells you, "I have to get this done." Yeah. You know, me being a counselor, you know. Sitting with people, processing, talking about the the status of your mental health. Mm -hmm. You know, your mental health is like a check engine light. You know, I wrote in our discussion, Mm -hmm. it's a check engine light. And it might be telling you something is off, but you just keep driving that car because you got to get to where you're getting to. And if you don't get there, you feel disappointed and you can't get past that. So hold on, Philip, before we go any further, I'm going to quickly do a simple commercial and I'm just going to tell the people that right now you are listening to Walk the Talk podcast. Uh, with your uh, host Ilunga Matumbo and our guest Philip Johnson here, uh, it is an honor. First of all, this podcast Walk the Talk focuses on education issues, uh, where we invite teachers, administrators, students, and parents to come talk about issues that happen in our day to day life and our in the education field. Our goal here is to talk openly, be transparent, be honest, and just be real and find solutions and also allow listeners to enjoy the process of knowing that we are regular people just trying to do our jobs as teachers, educators, and everything like that. So, once again, thank you again. Uh, We want to thank Philip Johnson for being here. Uh, Before we finish our last segment, thank you to to the audience for listening to this and taking the time to really process and understand what we're trying to talk about. Wellness is essential that is our key topic for today wellness is essential and how you use it and how you take care of it determines the climate and culture of your education setting alright we're back so yeah so Phillip, um, I had one more last question uh, for you um, as you aspire in your profession and become that administrator how will you know that you have met those goals and, you, and your wellness is balanced
1: good. I think, you know, an interesting litmus test is how you respond to stressful situations at work. Um, I had a situation last Friday, where a student of mine uh, came in and he was, he was not in the right headspace. And but I was like, in the middle of working with one student, and I knew I had to get to two others. And so I was stressed. And I was probably also not like filling my cup up enough when I was at home. So I was kind of already coming to work with a little bit less bandwidth than I normally do, and uh-huh. the way I ended up approaching that student, um, I would do a and like I didn't snap at him. I actually used text, uh, which could have worked, but the way I worded the text made him feel like I didn't care and and didn't really see him fully in that moment. Uh-huh. And so we've ma- we've made up since. But I, I basically was like, I was stretched thin in that moment, and I didn't slow myself down to be like. He needs something from me right now. Um, Uh So I think an interesting litmus test is like how I'm able to deal with difficult situations in school because Uh I'm balanced. I'm coming into school with a lot of care, but also a higher level of comfort with just like, it's gonna be messy sometimes. And like, it's not gonna always go perfect. I feel like a lot of people in education are quite type A and they wanna like get everything just right, all the perfect circumstances for learning. And also, I think we're highly good at being flexible, but I think we're less flexible when we're not balanced at home um, and with work. So, so that's one. Um, the other one is just if I there's no there's no like data metric on this, but just back to the working less on the weekends. One thing uh-huh. I am still doing okay with, and that I will keep working on, is uh-huh. not. Cancel things that I know will be valuable to my personal spirit and energy. Okay. It's like if if I have to do something on the weekend for work um, that I then use as an excuse to not like go to some event that I don't want to go to. That's not. Mm -hmm. But if I know I love having dinner with people and having conversation. If I, I know I love to get outside and do outdoor activities from time to time. When I get to the point where I'm canceling those events because I'm like, no, no no no, too much work. Yeah. That's where it's like you're not balanced. So I see. Um yeah, so I hope I, that makes sense. It's kinda like just I know the things that I enjoy to do and, yeah, and yeah, yeah those get so far down the to do list that I'm just not doing
0: it. You definitely you definitely make sense right there. Uh, you know sub- you know that 's called substituting uh responsibilities or prior- or reprioritizing what you think is important, and when what you believe is gives you a great sense of wellness is pushed back ideally that because, that goes to show you that your wellness chart you are off balance mm-hmm. and I think you do make a good point I think you just it 's about prioritizing what you believe is important for you and I like what you said. Really, it's about finding that balance. Sometimes it's so hard, though. Yeah. You know, <laughs> on a typical day-to-day basis, it's such a, it's such an important thing. Like, Can I yeah, ask you were saying. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course.
1: How do you know that you're balanced? Because I think I, uh, a simple sort of piece of advice I give people is like, you know, you know how to read your body and like know that you're not balanced. But, but I'll put it to you, like, how do you actually? How do you know when you're, when you're tipped too far
0: one way or the other? Uh, okay. That's a good question. Um, (laughs) I know that I'm off balanced when, uh, I am not spending enough time with first myself Mm -hmm. because every morning, every middle of the day, every end of the day, I need to spend time with myself because I am a big believer in the mindfulness component is I am one. If I'm not one with myself, then I am not doing myself a service because this body is the only body that I will ever have. I will never go into a different body. So if this body is the most important body I will ever have, I have to make sure that I maintain it. And if I don't prioritize taking care of it, spending that time alone, writing down a list of things that bother me and and visualizing those things and looking at them, the less I do that, the more I know that I'm off balance. The less I spend time processing, mindfulness, meditating, you know, religious wise, I'm a Christian, so I got to read my Bible. So that gives me balance of life in a a different perspective. So if I start to see myself not do those things, that's when I know I'm off topic. That's when, you know, when I come to work, I'm going to be extremely frustrated and it does me no service. I'm coming to work at 90 percent because either I bring 100 percent or don't come at all. Because yeah. I think it only hurts the students and my coworkers if I'm not myself, so I know I'm off balance when i'm not doing the small things that are important to me
1: yeah, for sure no a quirky one that I have is like I have to check Twitter once a day um, because I just like being caught up on things that are going on in the world, but also like silly pop culture things and things like that and I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've gotten into the habit of I do it while I brush my teeth which also prevents me from doing it for too long. But it's now yeah, yeah. have it where it's like I get my five minutes where, like, I just get to completely zone out on a social media yeah. app. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, That's know, awesome, I'm man. I'm an only child. That's awesome. Uh, I very much relate to the time by myself. Um,
0: oh, I see, I see. So the time by yourself is <laughs> no, it, big, important man. to you. I'm
1: one of those only children <laughs> that also, like, incredibly needs connection um and, I still, see. and that gives me a ton of energy but i need short bursts of time mm-hmm. myself so that i don't uh yeah bottom out
0: <laughs> i see what you mean all right so i mean we're coming to, to the end of our podcast but man what an educational growth podcast I'll just summarize it with this and I'll let uh, Philip close it out for us. But I'll say this, Philip, first of all, it was an honor to just sit down and talk to you. Uh, To get a different education perspective, I think is extremely essential. It's extremely important times like these. Um, We're constantly looking for ways to improve. And if I've learned anything from you today is always go back to the foundation and always slow down and understand what it means to be balanced and what it means to take something and make it the best you could possibly make it and don't lose sight of the details because those details are extremely important especially when we're talking about the mental health of our professions and I believe a lot of us are constantly running on E and when we run on E we're not only hurting ourselves but we're also hurting our climate and culture of the education field that we're currently in. I think Reflecting and finding a deeper meaning in our positions can truly help us and help those around us. So that's, that's my takeaway from what you said in this conversation. Uh, so, yeah, I, I want to give in to your court, Philip. I want yeah. you to close us out. You know, you've been a part of that Walk the Talk. So now you know what it means to walk the talk. And actually do what you say and follow through with that. So yeah, it's it's in your court, Philip. How would you like to end this this uh, amazing conversation? Oh, yeah. I you would just
1: say had. I also just shout you out. Um, super appreciate being on this and for you having this idea to to work into our class. Um, and I feel like what I took away from you today is thinking about that culture piece and knowing that it won't happen immediately, but that it takes time and effort. And I also really love what you said about mindfulness, mm-hmm. which Mindfulness is like a practice in all things and not just you know, talking about it as a concept, but, but really trying to do it and taking time to yourself mm-hmm. to do it, preaching it to staff. Um, I think those are super important points. I guess I'll just close with education is always going to be a lot of work and I don't ever see it ever being this mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's never gonna be an easy job And I hope in my Uh lifetime it's a better paid job not to focus too much on the pay, but I do think like that, that matters to people. I think when I hear teachers like get to their end, uh, the the last straw, they're like, and I don't make any money, you know, (laughs) it's it's like the final (laughs) thing. So I hope that's higher, but I would argue most teachers go into the work because of the connection with kids and when you make Mm -hmm. the work about that, and you can treat teachers with dignity, that they, they mm-hmm. are the experts in the room. They know the kids well. They're closest to the problems. They can sort of right, bring our school up. Then I think you start to shift towards that culture where people say like, maybe I'm a little busier at times, but I know that I'm mm-hmm. appreciated. I know that I'm safe. I know that I'm doing good work. That to me is like so critical mm-hmm. in this environment where we're kind of operating mm-hmm. within a scarcity mindset, we have limited resources. kids have a lot of struggles that are going on with at home and in the community. But if we know our work matters mm-hmm. and we truly feel that, I feel like we can also overcome those challenges so that's kind of that's kind of my piece that I keep coming back to when I think about uh personal wellness in schools.
0: Awesome. Thank you me. so much, Philip. Uh, just bit I, I... I also
1: have a podcast not on it but i love oh, podcasting. Yeah? podcasting gives me energy so i'm great today I'm- <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome man so everything you said is on point man finding that that work understanding your community understanding yourself as a leader and the small things that we do uh, just want to thank again, Philip, for being here. want to thank the audience for listening, whether you listen for two minutes or whether you listen for the whole session. We're just happy to have your, your, your time and really know that you were part of the Walk the Talk podcast. Again, the podcast that talks to educators, uh, teachers, administrators, students, and parents to come talk about personal, non-personal issues to move education forward, creating a transparent approach at really understanding the work that we do. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Until next time, see you again.